After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round-tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. I got to tell you, coming up on today's shows, many of the biggest stars in combat sports world are speaking their minds. Khabib has a lot to say about the GOAT conversation. Conor McGregor is delirious. I'll even tell you a story about marshmallows. That is all coming up later in the show. But first, let me ask you about something that's been unfolding the past few days. What do we make of Connor's post-fight Poirier reaction and response? I don't mean in the ring. I don't mean right there caught in that moment. You could bring that in. I'll take anything after the fight, but it's still going on to this day, right? Messages that have been put out there and then messages that have been deleted. Most recently today was two different things. First off, refusing to admit that he lost the fight. He lost the fight because it was a doctor stoppage. Not that he was losing that round, not that he was dominated, not that Herb almost stopped the fight two different times. And then adding in also today that he entered that fight hurt. You can ask anyone. You can ask Dana. You can ask Dr. Davidson. I had stress fractures going into that fight. I'm just saying, how do we interpret that? Connor's not wrong for doing any of these things. This is very in line with what fighters say after they lose a fight and they get embarrassed. It's very, very in line. It's just not in line with the way Connor has done it before. Connor's been very gracious, always. Even if you go back to the second Poirier fight, Connor got cleaned up. Says, look, I got to make some adjustments. That guy's got a hell of a weapon I wasn't familiar with, and that calf kick, I got to change some stuff. But my history says that I'm pretty good at making adjustments. Let's do it a third time. But he was a real gentleman. I could say that about every Connor defeat he's had. I could even say it about a couple of victories. Right in the moment, he's still marketing. He grabs that microphone. He lines up what's next. He knows the deal. But I can think of the night that he beat Poirier. Ariel goes into the locker room and interviews him. And Connor, right, you remember, I don't mean Poirier, I mean uh, Cowboy. But you guys remember that fight with Cowboy. It was a real PR tour. He did what he needed to do right in the moment, right after the fight when everybody's watching. But he goes in the back. He's a little calmer. It's going to go in a dot-com. It's going to pop up a few hours later. He knew his market, and he was a real gentleman again. So how do we juxtapose that Connor with this Connor, and do we need to be judged? And that's where I get a hard time, guys. I'm a bit of a Connor defender in this. First off, he was broken in half. That's a totally different loss than anything I can relate to, and few things that I've ever even seen. I've only seen that injury four times. I could name them. Corey Hill. Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, Conor McGregor. I remember those nights that they happened, though, because they hurt me. They hurt. I saw, oh, it hurt. It hurt me physically to see that, and it didn't even happen to me. One of those things, just a weird reaction, but I remember them all very well. Conor was the only one of those four that was spoken to in that moment. Whatever comes out of his mouth, for me as a human, this is the human talking, not the fight fan, he's going to get a pass. Good, bad, or indifferent, he gets a pass. That's not normal him. Comes out after the fact. He puts out some things on Twitter when we have every reason to believe that he's on an assortment of painkillers, more likely than not morphine. Who let him have his phone in his hand in the first place is a great, much greater question that we should all be looking at and pointing a finger to then what Connor tweeted out and pushed a button that he then got the sense and deleted? Come on. I'm only asking you in this moment, 
how do we take these two polar opposites? Because there's a very opposite thing happening here. We're seeing opposite preparations. That admittedly is through rumor. We never knew how he was training back when things were going well. We don't fully know how he's training now when things aren't. But the rumors and the reports are different, very, very different. The performances are very, very different. It looks like a different guy in there. Some of the speed is gone. Some of the ability to withstand is gone. I could keep pointing those things out, but why? I'm not looking to kick a guy. I'm just sharing it's opposite. It's different. For this specific fight, the lead up, particularly 48 hours before where the lid came off, right? Connor was doing no media. He lifted a lid on that thing 48 hours before bell time. Do we chalk that up to let's squeeze every last paper dollar we can get out of it? Pay-per-view dollar? I didn't. I thought that was Connor trying to put himself in a position that old Connor used to be in. It's a very real thing. We've done that as athletes. I can tell you, when I grew up and got out of the nest, started to find myself in some big opportunities, I used to go back to my childhood club. Now, I don't think there was a whole lot, in fairness, that I could gain working out with 9, 14, 17-year-old kids, but it was a mindset. It's trying to take yourself back, trying to remember some of that hunger that got you there in the first place. So I just thought I recognized what Connor was doing. I thought I recognized when Connor started going at Poirier a little harder than usual, that he was trying to get that brash, hungry self back. That's what I saw. How do we interpret what he's doing now by running things back? Because he's not lying. Did he have stress factors? Sure. I mean, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Let's just say he did. I got stress factors right now. I haven't trained in X amount of time. I mean, I just share with you, Connor did not have any stress fractures that Poirier didn't have. The fact that he admitted it and used it as an excuse, very in line with what other fighters do. Just unique for McGregor. He's never done that before, right? He's never made himself look weak. He's always sold power. He has none. He's never had power. But he's given the perception he does, and he sold that very well. He's now doing the opposite. We're not used to it. He's not wrong. I've heard people come down on him and talk about what a poor sport he is. What Connor is doing right now, trying to explain away an embarrassing loss, is perfectly in line with how every other fighter's ever acted. He just hasn't done it. I think that part of the story should be told. He's not doing anything that's, that's, people are giving him a hard time right now, like he's being some kind of a jerk. Okay, great. Well, then that goes for everybody else that's ever got a loss ever. They all do that same thing. All of them. You go, well, I never heard so-and-so do it. Well, so-and-so doesn't have a voice. Believe me, he did do it in his small circle of the 10 people that want to hear from him. Connor just happens to have 10 billion people that want to hear from him, right? It's, it's a different thing. It's the same message. I'm sharing with you, even as I'm attempting to defend Connor. I'm sharing with you, I've never seen him sell weakness or appear weak. Ask Dr. Davidson, ask Dana. You know, there was times in my life that I had to bring a note from my mother if I was sick one day and missed school. Then I got to college, I was a grown-ass man, all I had to do is not show up. Ask, you know, ask Dr. Davidson, ask Dana. It was one of these things. And... You can't also, you had a stress fracture? How would you know? A stress fracture is a little bit of, I have them right now. I don't share that with you in belly who. It's nothing. 
So Connor had some kind of a pain and he went to a doctor and the doctor got x-rayed him? I mean, this is wimpy stuff. This is wimpy stuff to the highest degree that is also very normal. Anyone else that had a pain would go ask Doc and Doc says x-ray. There's nothing out of line here. It's just very out of line for Connor. I've never seen him try to look weak. I've never seen him not very conscious of looking powerful as opposed to looking weak. I'm surprised by it. I, I don't know how to interpret it. Charles Oliveira came out today and said that he believes Connor's going to be uh, out for six weeks. And I'm sure when he returns, he will buy, fight Dustin Poirier. Now, Charles was trying to be very nice. Charles, even in that same statement, said we should give Connor a standing ovation. I don't like the way he promotes fights. I don't like that brashness, but he's done a great job for himself, and that's who his first obligations to. I tip my hat to him. Charles was very, it was very beautiful what Charles had to say. Charles thinks he'll be back in six weeks. Charles isn't ready to fight. Charles had no injuries from his last fight, and he sat out way more than six weeks. So how we got to that conclusion, right? Okay. But he was still attempting to be nice, right? You sprinkle a little case of the dum-dum in there. Okay, but he was still trying to be nice. But for Charles to say, I think he's going to fight Poirier next, Charles is the only guy that can say that without disrespecting anybody. Because the only way Connor ever sees Poirier is if Poirier gets his ass beat by Charles. It's just a weird talking point. And it's an interesting position. And I speak about weakness, which is just something Connor's never shown. All of the things that I just brought to you show weakness, but also Connor's willingness that it's Poirier or die. Poirier or I'm out. Poirier or nothing. Well, you're probably going to be out then. You're probably going to be out because Poirier is probably going to be the champion. No matter how you sell this or, or what notes you bring from your mom, you're not getting a world championship fight. Now, we fiercely adhere in this sport to the rules that we make up on the spot. I'm well aware. That's a stretch. Can we agree on that? All of you guys know that Conor McGregor is one of the best promoters to ever do it. Guess who else is really good at selling fights? The Paul Brothers. All right, guys, I want your opinion. What is the more ridiculous statement of the week? Here's what you have. Logan Paul came out and said, if I fight Floyd again, I guarantee I will knock him out. Versus Conor McGregor, who came out this morning and said the reason Dustin backed away on the ground and pound is because I was so vicious and effective with my strikes from the bottom. Now... Neither one of those is based in reality. I'm not asking you which statement is truer. I'm asking you the opposite question. Which one is more ridiculous? So you have eight rounds completed by Logan Paul in a fight that he won against Floyd Mayweather. Logan beat Floyd not under the Queensberry or Unified rules. He beat them under the agreement that they had that if it goes the distance, Logan wins. And if Floyd can stop him, then Floyd obviously wins. Logan survived. That is a tremendous job. That is against what everybody believed was going to happen. That victory wasn't enough. He wants it known that he learned how to knock Floyd out. Now, we have 24 minutes where that was three-minute rounds. No piece of evidence that he could even connect a meaningful shot with Floyd, 
let alone knock him out. Okay, these are your options. I'm just, I'm telling you your options. Now you have Connor, okay? Connor has been nothing short of masterful in his entire marketing approach to every fight he's had. His timing has not always been perfect. It's been very good. I can't give it perfect. So Connor's timing now, we know he's removed for a period of time if he ever is to come back, right? Everybody's hot and bothered after a loss. He's had losses before. We never knew if we were going to see him again. He's had wins before and everybody's all hyped up and they are full of adrenaline. They can't wait to get that, that high again. But he tempered everybody. Right, Part of his negotiation, always very smart. What does he do now? What is the right answer? And we don't know. We've learned many things by watching and studying Connor. This is just another lesson. And whether he gets an F on it or he gets an A on it, we're going to need a little bit of time to go by. But what he is doing is instead of letting things die down, keep them hot right now. Even though there's no fight to make, there's no way to monetize this. You can go away quietly, which never serves anybody, or you can make as much noise as possible for as long as anybody's willing to listen, which is what Connor's doing. But he's basing, and here's where things get tough. Is this a brilliant marketer, right? Is this just a brilliant marketer who realizes my name's hot right now, I'm going to keep as much gas on this flame as I can because eventually, even when it's not my choice, I'm going to have to go a little bit quieter than I would like for a period of time. You sign the contract, that's the day things heat up, you get closer to the contest, now you have built-in PR and marketing mechanisms to get your message out there, the fight concludes, and generally you have two days. That is the recipe and the cycle of a fight. You generally will have two days. That Sunday after is going to be a little bit quiet, but Monday shows, a lot of credit goes to Errol Hawani, a lot of credit goes to Luke Thomas, but they, they keep the media cycle going on a Monday. You then roll around to a Wednesday, and that's where guys like Chael pick up, but Chael doesn't pick up what happened. He picks up what's going to happen on the Saturday coming. This is the cycle. If you can find any way to beat that, you've done a better job than anybody else. The fact that Connor is still being talked about beyond the 48-hour cycle goes into the bucket of me naming him genius. The great ones will even confuse the great ones, right? I'm very good at this. And there's times where I don't know Am I in on the gag or am I being gagged? Is Connor being, he's such a good worker. It's so, he keeps such a poker face. It's so hard to tell. Does he put these things out such as I was beating Dustin Poirier up from my back, put his phone down and then turn and laugh and giggle with the people in his crew that happen to be in the room? Like Jake Paul, by example. Does he do that, Connor? Or do they got him so hopped up on the hoopies known as morphine because of the injury and the leg break that he thinks he was beating Dustin from his back? And that's the only reason we have anything to talk about. If I for sure knew the answer, but I'm a Mark. I'm a Connor Mark. I fall for it. I'm the guy in the crowd who can't always distinguish where the reality begins and the show ends. That's not a knock on me or you. It's a compliment to Connor. He is freaking good at this. He's really, really good at this. 
Is it possible that a three-time world champion, is it even possible that he believes he was winning the fight from his back? Or does he have such disrespect and disdain for you, the viewer, that he believes he convinced you of something that you saw with your own eyes? I can't imagine any of you believe that Connor was beating up Dustin Poirier at any point in that fight, let alone from a vulnerable position of being on his back. But what if you do believe that's true? Right? Do you remember that? Do you remember Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy? He was real big in the in the mid-90s. And I guess he was a country music singer. Singer They used to play him on country music radio, but he was more just a comedian, like a Southern-style comedian. He came out with this bit about, here's your sign. The song was even called Here's Your Sign. It was basically, if you have ever done, and then fill in the blank, here's your sign. And the sign said, I'm stupid, okay? If you, with any part of your being, believe that Connor was beating up Dustin Poirier at any point in that fight, but specifically what Connor's speaking about, from his back while pinned against the fence, and Herb Dean's looking on, thinking about stopping this thing, and the judges are moments away from marking a 10-8 round. If any part of you believes that that's true, here's your sign. So does Connor know his audience well enough to know that they're dumb enough to believe this or, or I will tell you, I never treated my audience, I'm personalized this now, put myself in here. I never treated them as dumb. I treated my, op- my audience as the opposite, which was partners. They are my partners. We are going to do this together no matter how ridiculous this might seem, but we're going to do this together against our opposition. It was one of the ways that I was able to, to get a big audience and keep everybody along for the ride. Just in fairness, is Connor so good at what he does that I feel an internal need to come out and set the record straight, right? <laughs> How would I do that? It was on video. He's getting pummeled. There's two 10-8 rounds. The fight got stopped and he left broken. He broken. Do I need to correct that? Or am I the very sucker that he's going after? And the same thing goes for Logan. Is Logan bringing his audience along as partners to try to get a match that they want? Or does he think that the audience is so dumb That with 24 minutes of evidence, eight rounds completed, and not a sign of anything he's claimed to be true, those are your options for the silly statement of the week. Who do you have winning? So Conor McGregor is talking about his performance from last weekend, and so are a bunch of other people, including Khabib, who's got some thoughts about the future of his biggest rival. That's coming up next. But first, here's a word about one of our sponsors, Raycon. Guys, I'm really enjoying the summer, and I hope that you are too. And whether you're out and about for work or play, make sure you take your Raycons with you. Whether you're catching up on the latest episodes of You're Welcome, and by the way, thank you. Or if you run and you're listening to your favorite true crime podcast, A pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears can make all the difference. You get crisp, powerful sound at half the price of the other premium audio brands. 
Raycons look great and feel even better. They come in a range of cool colors and with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. They are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. I'm really impressed with the 24-hour battery life on these puppies. I listen to them at night. I hate it when they cut out. And you know what my Raycons never do. It's been nice to use at length while I travel without a constant reminder to recharge. Guys, listen up. Raycon's offering 15%. That's 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you've got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash chale. That's it. Go to buyraycon.com slash chale. That's going to get you 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a good deal. You'll want to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash chale. Buyraycon.com slash chale. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, the world's largest e-counseling platform. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Guys, be honest. I got to be transparent too. I've been there at times. I've struggled in these areas and I got to get through it too. BetterHelp is a great online therapy and counseling platform that allows you to reach out for help from the privacy of your own home. This isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating with a professional counselor in under 48 hours. That's good news for some of us who need help immediately. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area, especially if you're in a state still shut down because of the pandemic. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhealth.com slash and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is offering my listeners 10% off your monthly service, so don't hesitate to go and get the help you need. Visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Sunnan to get started. Khabib was doing an interview and he was talking about Connor. Khabib just had an observation that I think is very obvious, but nobody said it before until, until Khabib said it. And the statement was simply Connor will never be able to kick the same again with that leg. Now, while that's very obvious, it's still very interesting to me. It's interesting for a couple of reasons because does it matter? Connor has some good kicks, but he doesn't have an extremely kick heavy game, just by example. But Moreover, for anybody, I realize there's exceptions to this, okay? You have Edson Barboza, who I believe is the best, fastest, most vicious kicker that I've ever seen. You have Edson Barboza. If you took kicks away, that is going to change and greatly take strategies and tools out of the chess. 
For most other guys, there's risks in taking kick, and there isn't a huge reward. There's really not. Kickboxing, by example, which meant you can kick and you can box, right? Pretty straightforward, right there within the title of the sport. But around 1983, they had to put a new rule in place because guys weren't throwing kicks. You're having kickboxing, but the guys that are winning the fights and doing well are coming out and they're only boxing. They're not throwing any kicks. So kickboxing had to put a rule in that you must throw three meaningful kicks per round or you lose a point. Now, there's a real lesson in that. When the kickboxers weren't even kicking, not because it's not an effective tool, by the way. Like, you always meet people like, oh, what's he talking about? Let me kick him in the leg. I'm not saying you can't generate some real force and some real power, particularly that could add up and be accumulative. But I will tell you the history of combat, most of the better work is done and the more powerful things are done with your hands. That's a reality. Then you would probably start to look at elbows and knees you'd put in the same category, and then you would get to kicks. It's definitely effective. It's definitely on the list. Not attempting to dismiss it. Practice kicks every day of my life. Work on them with my son still to this day. But in all fairness, if Connor could never kick the same again, what, was he some kind of a good kicker in the first place? Sorry, fight that you can turn to that he, he kicks somebody and that major weapon, right? Just one of those things where why can't you change the rules of the sport? What kind of an attitude is that? I, I've never really liked that, I, but I was a wrestler. I grew up, I watched guys. Dave Zuniga comes to mind. NCAA finalist, ends up hurting his knee, so he's having a hard time just with the stance and position of wrestling, bending over, bending his knees, but now he's got this ACL. He just switches sports. Goes right into Greco-Roman wrestling, which is from an upright posture, leave the legs out completely, goes and makes an Olympic team. And just by example... It would seem as though the greats could always adapt to any one rule change that there needed to be. I mean, even right now, I think it's New Jersey, doesn't have the same elbow rule that all other 49 states have. I believe it's the elbow where you can't do elbows at all in New Jersey. At least that was once true. There was no fighter that said, hey, let me fight, but don't send me to New Jersey. You just don't throw the damn elbows. Why? Because it was the rule. What's the difference? Okay, he can't throw that same kick anymore. Why? Because it could break his leg. And some guys deal with it different. I, one of the great, one of the great PR ever for an injury was done by Tim Sylvia. Tim breaks his arm, breaks his forearm. They put a metal plate in it to bring things back together. And Tim started doing interviews about it. He was saying that he, he was beeping as he'd go through you know, at the airport, going through the security, and he's going to get in there, and it's, it's they're going to sign off on it, and it's, it's within the rules, and he's going to smash that plate right into his opponent's head. I mean, Tim just steered right into it. Tim didn't give a damn. But it was great. This was back in 2002. I still remember the way that Tim Sylvia dealt with it because he dealt with it so well. So there's just so many bigger problems with McGregor, right? There's just bigger problems with this sport. And you'll never be done with this sport. You'll never be done being an athlete. But every athlete one day will wake up and the sport is done with you. It's the way it goes. It's a very cold cycle. But you saw the ride. You bought a ticket anyway, including Connor. Connor's done this to other people and sent them out the door. He's taken the belt off of their waist. He's taken spots from them. Like Nate Diaz said, you took everything I've ever worked for. It's cold. Connor didn't do anything wrong. Now he's having it done back to him.
I only suggest this for you because there's a lot bigger problems here. And if we as a community don't support him right now to get that rehab, get the motivation, keep life mentally and physically on track for one of our own, we're failing. Once we get there, if we as a community pressure or even encourage him to get back in the cage, that's a fail. There was nothing within that contest. There was no spot. There was no position that resembled what Connor had used to look like. And I'm not giving him a hard time. I'm actually attempting to make a different point, which is only that all had to do with inactivity, but not just from competition, also within the gym. And at that time, it was a choice. He had the choice. Do I go to practice? Do I go to the bar? He could have done either. He does not have the choice now. It has to be the either. And doctors were coming out today and saying it would be a year. A year for Connor to be back. Which I think is what we would guess because that's right in line with what Anderson Silva went through. And that's right in line with what Chris Weidman was told he's going to go through. That seems like it's very reasonable. That's a long time. A year away from training, away from the sport. I mean, the regression would be huge. You could go through a full training camp to get back to in a youthful time how you would enter training camp. I, I had to do that towards the end of my career. Where I had to I had to train to be ready to go into training. It just did. You know, it was just a little bit harder to keep your shape. It's a little bit harder to get there, just be able to eat anything I wanted. All of a sudden, I'm having to pay attention to some nutrition. It just comes with age. You guys might have been through it, or you will at some point. But I had to train just to be able to go in to train. And that's the spot that Connor's going to be in. If he takes a year, and then what? They go, okay, you're ready, and he's chomping at the bit. Let's give him a fight in six months. A fight in six months after you sat for a year? Not to mention whatever you were doing to occupy your time. It's a guy that owned a whiskey company. I mean, in all fairness, it's going to take a meaningful amount of time, and then he's got to come back into a main event spot. He's just paid too damn much money. He's got to be a marquee guy. You're talking about 25 minutes. And who's he going to do it with? And what we're going to nurse him and rehab him back into condition to go in and get stomped out by Dustin again? Two of those judges had it 10-8. All three should have had it 10-8, which constitutes two completed rounds in the last year, neither of which he won. It's just one of those spots. It's one of those spots. Let's encourage him. Let's get him through the rehab. Let's make sure there's some kind of a positive vibe. But secretly, we have to know. Once we get him back, we're not putting him in there again, are we? Since Khabib is now officially retired, everyone wants to ask him where he stands on the GOAT conversation and where he believes he is in the history books. And this week, Khabib weighed in on the debate. Khabib was doing an interview, and he made his case for why he is the pound-for-pound great. And there was a comparison to John Jones. And, of course, Khabib making the point of, I did all of this, I never got beat, and I didn't dope. Okay, stating the obvious, there's nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't even call that a, a low blow. 
Khabib is the most dominant. I can prove that. That's not my opinion. I can prove to you that Khabib is the most dominant. I think that is a, a wonderful compliment to give a guy. You were, you were the best fighter of all time. Hard to prove. Big compliment, hard to prove. The dominance is it's hard. There is nobody in fighting history. This never gets said about Khabib unless I'm the one saying it. And I don't know why. Either people don't realize this, or possibly they don't see that this is a really big deal and I'm all alone by myself, but I find that I'm the only one saying it. Guys, Khabib has more 10-8 rounds in his career than anybody in the history of unarmed combat. I'm including boxing. What an incredible statement. Then, okay, who's the greatest of all time? Different eras represent different things. And it's very rare that you'll have an argument going on about guys who are in the same era. It happens. It happens. I'm saying it's very rare. It's going to be LeBron and Jordan. You'll take these different eras. And then you're never going to be able to win the argument because you're going to have people with nostalgia that are just locked on their era. No problem. This is just some of the psychology behind it. To be the most dominant fighter of all time. And look what Khabib has going. 155 pounds at the time he did it was the hardest weight class, the absolute deepest weight class in the industry. It was also the deepest and most difficult weight class in the history of the industry. So if you're a champion of that weight class, aren't you just automatically the greatest of all time? If you then add in the factor that nobody even won a round against him, and before any of you think you have to correct me, yes, I'm well aware that Conor McGregor won round three. I got it. That was official. But nobody else could win rounds. And then in addition to the 10-8 rounds and the absolute dominance, now you have guys that not only can't win a fight, they can't win rounds. They're not winning positions. They're not winning a sequence with Khabib. So doesn't that, which none of which I just said could be disputed or is being disputed, does that by default make him the best of all time? No. No, the argument still exists. You don't get it for any goddamn reason. That's why it's so ridiculous to engage in these arguments. It's the different integers as to why Batman could beat Superman, and it will never go away. But no, everything that I just said in every box that Khabib checked, no. Now, it isn't between Khabib and John. That's also an interesting part of the argument that always makes me wonder. How did we get here? How did it get down to Khabib against John? And John was is a once-in-a-lifetime, not just was. John is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. It is remarkable how dynamic he was. It was remarkable his ability to grow. I'm not convinced that John's most dangerous aspect isn't his kickboxing. This is a national champion wrestler, by the way, who's never lost a submission match, by the way. I'm not convinced he's not even better on his feet. I couldn't possibly give enough compliments to what John has gone out there and done. He went out there and he did it dirty. So what do you do in that regard? Do you attempt to have the conversation and remove the veil that, yes, he did it dirty, but he wouldn't have had to have. Even if he were clean, it would have been enough. That argument's not going to hold up. Even if it's true, you would look like a fool defending somebody. Right? You would just look like a fool. And since the whole thing is nothing more than an argument, there's no competitive architecture. There's no way to actually prove it. It's a popular opinion vote. And so once we understand, and that's my only point by bringing in John and the Peds, my only point is, is if we acknowledge it's an argument and no one's going to be able to argue or even attempt to argue around the cheating, 
it doesn't hold up. So how did we even get to Khabib versus John in the first place? That one's a little bit weird. Why is Demetrius not put right in this conversation? I'll just tell you as a guy who changed weight classes. My freshman year in high school, I was 115 pounds. My senior year, I was 185 pounds. Covered the spread all in between. I just know different weight classes. Fought at 185, 205, heavyweight. I know different weight classes. And I'll just tell you, the whole reason why I was 115 pounds as a freshman and I was trying to get to 185 is I knew the secret, which is the bigger they are, the more they suck. They're worse. They aren't better as you go up. They're looked at as better. They're perceived as better. The perennial weight class is the heavyweight class. Been that way from the beginning of time, whether it was Hulk Hogan holding the belt or Muhammad Ali. It's always the big guys, but they're worse. We had a wrestler, Alexander Karelin. And this guy was special. I would never take any accolade away from Alexander Karelin. I hope I get to meet him and shake his hand someday. I'm a big fan. He won countless championships in a row at heavyweight. So he stole all of the magazines. He stole all of the headlines. He was this amazing phenom. But the reality was for his skills, there was maybe one other guy that he had to contend with. At 145 pounds or at 163 pounds, there was 10 Corellans at all times. It was the reason the 45-pounders or the 63-pounders, I'm giving you wrestling weight classes, couldn't do 10 and 11 in a row. It was too damn good. It was too hard. It was iron on top of iron. It's the reason that you're seeing musical chairs being played with those weight classes right now. Charles Oliveira is an excellent fighter. Charles Oliveira is not going to be the champion in two years. Not if he stays consistent and gets his three fights a year. And he's not winning six in a row. That isn't a knock on Charles. It's a compliment to that division. And the fact that Khabib was in that division with these same guys, never lost a fight, didn't even lose rounds, was dominant 10-8 rounds where it was hard to watch. I can't tell you how many Khabib fights I watched. A ref helped the guy out. Get him out of there. Is one of these things that I'm just bringing to your attention because the debate starts to be uh, pretty interesting and Khabib does have one thing against him. It's only one. It's only one. But it's still against him and it's going to grow over time. Now that we're still in the Khabib era and we've all seen him fight and we, we all miss him and want to see him fight again even though we're not going to get to... Over time, we're going to forget that. We're going to forget how we feel right now. We're going to see new talent in there. So we're now left with paper. And this even happens now. I mean, The Jordan versus LeBron. You're talking about Jordan had six rings and LeBron had none at one point. But this was the argument. And you could see, and many people say, no, LeBron's better. I don't give a damn if he has the rings or not. He's going to get them and he's better now. Just a debate. But a hard one to win when you got six to oh. I'm going back a while. Khabib never changed weight classes. And if you were within an area, if this is 20 years ago and nobody was changing weight classes and they weren't even allowed, this doesn't come up. Wouldn't it be fair game? When you live in an era of champ champ and you've got the Cejudos or you've got the Daniels or you've got the St. Pierre that did it and did it successfully, it just creates a wrinkle. And while Khabib could have changed weights, whether it was 70 or it was 45, he would have been leaving the harder of the weights. If he would have gone to 70 or 45, as great as those guys are, the depth was not the same as where he stayed and ruled. I think that Khabib might be the greatest of all time. I think that he might be. I just think he's going to have a hard time winning the argument. I stand on St. Pierre. That's my answer. But I got a good reason for it. Not only did he clean out his division and beat all the guys of yesterday 
and beat all the guys of his day, he beat the future generations. Then he came back and did it again at a different weight class without losing a round. Hard argument. Hard argument. St. Pierre did not have 10-8 rounds. He didn't have as many of them as Khabib. But he beat those guys within the rules. He didn't lose rounds either. He didn't lose positions. He would come out of a fight, go to a nightclub, and he'd have to tell somebody they had a fight that night. Nobody would believe him. I mean, he looked perfect. He took no damage. Khabib gave a lot of damage. George took no damage. You an offensive guy? You a defensive guy, right? I mean, did you like Sugar Ray's offense, or do you appreciate the shoulder rolls of Floyd Mayweather? There's no wrong answer. The debate continues. I only submit for you, it's not between Khabib and John, and I'm not quite sure how we got there. So Khabib has spoke about Conor McGregor's future, and he's waiting on the GOAT debate. He's also talked about the headliner of Saturday's event. But before I dive into that, I want to tell you a little story. So I get a knock at my door. Two gals from the neighborhood, Misha and Annie, and they're going around and they're selling. They've got these jars of marshmallow fluff. Now, I must tell you, I don't eat a lot of marshmallows and I've got nothing against them. But for me and my environment in marshmallows was twofold. One, in cocoa. As a little kid in cocoa, my sister and I loved them, particularly when they were the small marshmallows, right? But my parents only bought the big ones. We would use those. We'd put a coat hanger through it. We had a wood-burning fireplace. And on a lucky occasion, my sister and I would get to roast marshmallows. They didn't taste great, but it was a great experience and a great memory. None of that is the point. These girls show up with marshmallow fluff. Now, here is what bothered me, all right? They've got a box of them. They've got them in a little red wagon. They're pulling them through the neighborhood. Where I live is halfway through the neighborhood. I have no reasonable belief that they started at my door. It would seem as though you would start at the bottom and eventually get to me, or you would start at the top and eventually get to me. But these girls still had a full wagon. Does that mean that my neighbors weren't buying the marshmallow fluff? Because that would irritate me beyond belief. Okay, if two young entrepreneurs show up at your door, both, I'm going to guess, under high school age, somewhere in that sixth to ninth grade range, they've started a business and they have this beautiful homemade product that they only want a couple of dollars for. Were some of my neighbors telling them no? Does it matter what they're selling at that point? What do you do? Annie and Misha knock at your door and they would like to sell you something. But by the way, they made from home. Oh, and should I add, they're in your community. What do you do? If you have any answer other than you say, excuse me, hold on, ladies, let me go grab my wallet, you and I just aren't the same kind of people, right? There's something about a level of rejection that if you do to somebody else in this situation, I'm going to have a little bit of a problem with. And I parlay this into Islam Makhlchev. Is he being punished because Khabib didn't come back and fight? I'm asking a question. Something's going on there. Khabib is giving... The blessing to Islam, who, by the way, is undefeated. If I'm wrong about that, Islam picked up a, a loss somewhere later in his career. Somewhere in the back of my head, he's like 16-1. and 1. But if I'm wrong, he's 16-0. and 0. Either way, it's a beautiful record, and he has a blessing of the guy. The man. The biggest star Muslim athlete in the world who they've built an arena for somewhere in his past. Could you imagine being so successful? 
that anybody anywhere builds you in arena. You guys remember what I'm talking about? Khabib versus Poirier was done in an arena that they built for Khabib versus Poirier. This guy is wildly popular. Why is he not powerful? What is it about it where when the guy gives a blessing to another guy, and by the way, I bring in Islam's record, it's relevant. If he was just some new up-and-comer, if he was on the regional scene, or he just came through the contender series, or is a current contestant on tough, hey, keep your eye on him type thing, I got no problem with it. Islam's been here for a period of time. Oh, and by the way, hasn't gotten beat by a period of time. Why is the blessing from Khabib not more powerful? I don't have an answer to that. Khabib is doing his part. Khabib is showing loyalty. Khabib came out with a statement and said about Islam that he would stop Poirier and he would maul Oliveira. Those are tremendous compliments. He's not just saying he thinks his guy will win. He's talking about in dominant fashion. Now, as good as that is, I must tell you, no, Khabib isn't being punished. I'm asking a rhetorical question. I already know the answer to it. Of course, Khabib is respected. And of course, Khabib has a level of power. Khabib is coming about this slightly at the wrong angle. He's talking about how good Islam is. That's helpful if a guy is undiscovered. Islam is now discovered. But I'm not sure Khabib himself knows how Khabib himself got to the top of the billion or ever got a title fight or was ever standing opposite Conor McGregor. It wasn't just by wins and losses. No matter how many times your bosses come out and tell you it is, it's not. They're not going to come out and tell you what it really is. They're going to expect you to know and figure out on your own, are you interesting? And Islam has not got over yet is interesting. I don't know what Islam hobby is. I don't have the foggiest idea. I don't know what his favorite food is. I don't know what his favorite movie is. I don't know who his favorite comedian is. I don't know what kind of music he listens to. I don't know what his favorite color is. I don't know if he's married. I don't know if he's single. I don't know if he has pets. I don't know what he used to do before fighting. I don't know if his father's involved. I don't know a damn thing about him. And that's not my fault. I read everything on Islam Makhlchev I can get. I can't get any of that stuff. Every time I hear something about Islam, I have to hear about how damn good he is. Let's just do this, Islam. I accept that you're good. You have a beautiful record where you either have one loss or you have absolutely no losses, and you're in the division that I personally believe to be the hardest division in all of MMA and in the history of MMA. Let's concede right now you're really good. I don't need to just watch good guys. I don't. I, there's good guys on before you and after you and this week, next week, last week. They're all really good, in fairness. Why are you interesting? Why do I care if you beat Charles Oliveira? Charles Oliveira wins money in the sport and takes it back to the favelas in Brazil of which he never left. Charles Oliveira comes out, hard opponents, struggles to make weight, sometimes does, sometimes doesn't, sometimes gets beat, sometimes has victory, changes his hair, puts on sunglasses, sometimes he wears readers. I don't love that he changes his look all the time, but I can tell you all of those things about Charles Oliveira. I cannot tell you anything about Islam. I don't know where he lives. I don't know who he trains with. I know that's part of a team, but the, Javier Mendez was training that team part of the time, and Khabib's dad was, was part of the time, and they were splitting time between California and splitting time between Dagestan. I'm just sharing with you, I don't know any of these things.
I know as it pertains to Dustin Poirier. I know where he's from. I know that uh, Lafayette, Louisiana is very important to him. I know that he trains out of the ATT in Florida. I know that's very important to him. I know he came up through the regional scene. I know he's won some fights. I know that he's lost some fights. I know he's got big dreams. I know he's got a charity. I know he's got some gimmick going with this hot sauce thing. I know when I text him, I hear back from him within minutes. I know a damn thing about Islam. And it's not my fault. It's not because I haven't given him a fair shake or that I will continue to. I will talk to you guys about Islam nonstop. I will talk to you about Islam just out of my relationship with Ali. I just don't have anything to talk to you about. Because everywhere I go where I try to find something about Islam, all I ever hear is what a damn good fighter he is, but I've never disputed that. He's not in the Let's See Fighting Championships. He's not in the Let's Have Fun Fighting Championships. He's not the I'm a Tough Guy Fighting Championships. He's not the I Got More Tattoos Than You Do, I Must Be a Badass Championships. He's in the Ultimate Fighting Championships. So I know that he's really good. That's not enough for me. Demetrius Johnson's into video games, and Chad Mendez is into hunting and fishing, and Stipe Miocic is a fireman, and Daniel Cormier coaches a, a wrestling team called Gloria. I don't know anything about Islam. I don't know anything about Islam. I want to. I'm not a hater. I'm a believer. I like it. I like his willingness. I like that he's told us what he wants. But even when it comes to him telling us what he wants, I'm hearing about it from other people. Islam called me right now. He'd have to say, Chael, this is Islam Makachev. I wouldn't know his voice. I wouldn't recognize it. When he comes out and does these interviews, he says next to nothing. And whatever it is, it's not interesting. I don't submit for you that he's a boring guy. My guess is he's probably got one. He's probably a hell of a guy. Khabib is a pretty interesting guy to be around. He's a pretty fun guy to be around. To, for, for Khabib come out and say these things about Islam, they probably had some great experiences together. They probably got on some trips together. Maybe they did something outdoors together at camp. I just like to hear about it. I'd like to hear about anything other than how good a guy is who's not yet to lose in the division that I believe is the hardest division out there because I already know. I want to hear something about him. I want to hear why this matters to him. I want to hear how he got into it in the first place. I want to hear about his relationship with Khabib. Khabib is willing to lend his name. You're not doing anything wrong. Go and participate on that. Talk about what this means to you. Talk about how important this is to Khabib, to the legacy of the Nurmagomedov family that you represent them well. That's a compelling story. Is it true? I'd love to find out. Tell me, Islam? All right, guys, that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it and that you guys continue to review on Apple Podcasts like our friend Big Baby, who says best MMA podcast out there. Thank you, Big Baby, and thanks to the rest of you. Have a great weekend. Make sure you're back on Wednesday. I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Welcome.